0: part seven chapter five of the life of florence nightingale volume two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the life of florence nightingale volume two by edward tyus cook home life in south street and the country continued five six and seven during the years following her father's death, 1874, Miss Nightingale devoted much time to the society of her mother, and this took her for a considerable part of each year out of London. In 1874 she and her mother spent a month at Claydon, August through September, and then two months at Leehurst in eighteen seventy five the experiment was tried of taking a house at upper norwood and there miss nightingale lived with her mother for some weeks june through july i am out of humanity's reach wrote florence to madame mole june eighteen in a red villa like a monster lobster a place which has no raison d'etre except the raison d'etre of lobsters or crabs viz to go backward and to feed and be fed upon stranger vicissitudes than mine in life few men have had vicissitudes from slavery to power and from power to slavery again it does not seem like a vicissitude a red villa at norwood yet it is the strangest i yet have had it is the only time for twenty-two years that my work has not been the first cause for where i should live and how i should live here it is the last it is the caricature of a life the lobster-like villa was however soon given up mrs nightingale longed to be taken to her home though strictly hers no longer and from july to october she and florence were at leahurst the year's routine now became fixed the care of mrs nightingale in london was undertaken by her nephew mr shore smith and his wife she lived with them in their house in york place and from july or august in each year to november or december the shoresmith family with miss nightingale and her companion moved to leahurst and there also florence went sometimes going to leahurst before the others arrived and sometimes staying there when they were absent mr shoresmith was more than son and daughter to her mrs nightingale said and florence during her residence at leahurst devoted a stated number of hours each day generally two or three in the morning to companionship with her mother in the country as in south street miss nightingale constantly had nursing friends to stay with her at Leehurst writes the friend already quoted she was as good to us as in london i remember being there once with another of her pupils and she told us that the rooms assigned to us had been the nurseries of her childhood long drives were contrived for us luncheon was packed in the wagonette and excursions were mapped out during our visit mr jowett came for a few days he was very pleasant to us and full of kindness i remember his speaking of a quality in our hostess which always struck us i mean the thoroughness in all details of her hospitality even to putting flowers in our rooms gathered by herself in the garden miss nightingale thought one of us was tired and said she was not to get up too early in the morning mr jowett reminded us in this connection of the man who made a virtue of always rising very early and who was conceited all the morning and cross all the afternoon at Lehurst during these years miss nightingale devoted herself to her poorer neighbours and threw into the task the thoroughness and system which characterised all her doings she took a part in establishing a village coffee-room and a village library and in organizing mothers meetings she gave doles to all deserving families the dossiers which she kept of their characters and circumstances were as careful as those referring to the nightingale probationers there are sheets and sheets amongst her papers on which she entered the quantities of each kind of provision supplied to each family as elaborate as the purveying accounts which she kept at scutari she was a sort of national health insurance scheme non-contributory for the neighbourhood for she employed a doctor to attend the sick and infirm at her expense and to report fully to her on all the cases there are fifty letters from him in this sort during a single year and as many of a like kind from the village schoolmaster whom she commissioned to give extra tuition to promising pupils there were those who thought that miss nightingale wasted on these rustic cares energies that might swell the great wave of the world among the number was her old friend madame mole now my own flow she wrote october sixteenth eighteen seventy nine you believe me i am sure to love you truly therefore you will bear what i say and also you believe me to have common sense you can't help believing it i defy you now i declare that if you don't leave that absurd place Leehurst, immediately you must be a little insane partially not entirely and that if you saw another person knowingly risking a life that might be useful dans les grandes choses ensemble, to potter after sick individuals and if you were in a lucid moment you would say that person is not quite sane or she has not the strength of will to follow her judgment in her actions miss nightingale was not well pleased by this letter she felt something of the sort herself but it is one thing to doubt our own wisdom and quite another to hear it doubted even by our oldest friends miss nightingale replied that she was doing her duty which was a duty of affection to her mother and madame mole with ready tact explained her letter away by saying that the real reason of it was only a selfish impatience to see her dear Flochin in london miss nightingale's mother was now very old her mind was barely coherent and it would perhaps have been much the same to her if florence had not been by her side yet the actual presence was a great comfort and miss nightingale whose calls in earlier life had estranged her somewhat from her mother was the more anxious to be with her now there were gleams of brightness in the mother's manner which touched the daughter deeply her mind she afterwards wrote was like the ceiling of the sistine chapel darkened blotted effaced and with great gaps but if you looked and looked and accustomed your eye to the dimness and the broken lights there were the noble forms transparent through the darkness mother and daughter had much converse on spiritual things at other times pride and pleasure in her famous daughter were mixed in the mother's mind with the regrets of earlier years where is florence she once asked in the daughter's absence is she still in her hospital i suppose she will never marry now she loved to have longfellow's poem read to her it is all true she would say all real when florence came the mother loved her presence dearly who are you oh yes i see you are florence stay with me do not leave me it makes me so happy to see you sitting by me you come down to teach us to love but you have so much that is important to do you must not stay with me oh are you my dearest florence i ought to kiss your hand i am sure the daughter's wit cheered her mother you have a right to laugh she said so few of us have you are so good so much better than the rest of us you do me so much good something of the same impression was made by miss nightingale upon all who visited her whether at leahurst or in her upper room at south street she was often lonely and despondent and accounted herself as we have heard the weakest of human vessels the lowest of god's servants to those who knew her well she was a tower of strength mr jowett used to say that he never saw miss nightingale or received a letter from her without feeling strengthened for his duties the thought of her working in solitude was constantly with him i think no day passes he wrote to her in which i do not think of you and your work with pride and affection if men admired miss nightingale women worshipped her to many a devoted woman who had learnt from her example and who was inspired by her friendship she was my mistress and queen or my hero saint women of the great world laid at her feet in almost equal adoration and young girls had something of the same feeling i used at first to be shy with her says one of them but when i was older and talked more freely i found her the most charming person to talk to she always seemed interested and glad to see one i always used to come away with a sort of buoyant feeling she seemed to raise one into a different atmosphere i shall ever remember my visit to you wrote her ever affectionate louise the grand duchess of baden in eighteen seventy nine as one of those moments coming directly out of god's hand and leading men's hearts up to him in thankfulness it belongs to those things which are in themselves a sanctuary and lady ashburton who still came sometimes to see the friend of earlier days her beloved zoe wrote i like to think of you in your tower so high up above us all and again i am humbled in the dust when i think of what you say of me poor wretched profitableless me and yourself the guiding star to so many of our lives six the friends to whom miss nightingale wrote most regularly on matters other than business and in whose visits she took the greatest intellectual pleasure were next to mr jowett monsieur and madame mole her letters to them show some of her more general interests to m Mole, february sixteenth eighteen sixty eight i see mademoiselle blanche is publishing her impression de femme what is that do men publish their impression d'homme? i think it is a pity that women should always look upon themselves and men look upon them as a great curiosity a peculiar strange race like the aztecs are rather like dr howe's idiots whom after the unremitting exertions of two years he actually taught to eat with a spoon to m moll south street november twenty fourth eighteen seventy two insensible cruel aggravating man you break off just where i want to hear the only thing that amuses me is papal infallibility the only thing that interests me not painfully out of my chaos always excepting livingstone east african slave trade central african exploration is prussian politics not that i suppose you to be very well satisfied with them but i want to know about the doings bismarck old catholics infallibilists this extraordinary conflict between the old man at rome and the junker devil statesman bismarck also about the struggle with the upper house and the de bill i am athirst to know your mind about these things have you seen stanley's how i found livingston i have desired the publisher to send you a copy it is without exception the very worst book on the very best subject i ever saw in all my life still i can't help devouring the book to the end though it tells little more of livingston than what livingston in the dispatches has told himself already but then stanley and his newspaper have discovered and relieved livingston when all our government all our societies all our subscriptions all the queen's men could not set livingston up again Quetelet has sent me his last books anthropomtrie and physique sociale with a charming letter i answered by a violent and vehement exhortation to him to prepare his second edition at once the first eighteen sixty nine of the physique sociale being entirely exhausted did i tell you that when mr jowett was elected chairman for the subjects of final examination at oxford i insisted on social physics being one to madame mole south street december 19, 1873. you asked me what mill's autobiography was like and as it is a book impossible to describe i send it to you i think it almost the most curious and interesting of modern books i ever read but curious just as much for its nonsense as for its sense i should think the account he gives of his intellectual and moral growth from the age of three quite unique quite as singular as if a man were able to describe all his anatomy and physiology in a state of growth from the time he was three but quite quite as extraordinary as this is his own stupidity in not seeing that very many of his moral and intellectual and especially of his religious opinions were fixed inalterably for him by the process he underwent so that all his reasoning afterwards upon them was unreasoning fixed as much beyond his power to change or even to see that a change was desirable or possible as the eyes of a man who becomes stone-blind in his youth or the right arm of a man who is paralysed on that side or etc 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 he has written me pages and pages which i never could understand from a man so able till i read his autobiography that there being laws was no proof of there being a lawgiver that if evil were to produce good there ought to be more of it then you see he says in his book that his wife was to be applauded because she had thrown aside the monstrous superstition that this world could be made on the best possible design for perfecting good through evil and i still think the autobiography its high tone its disinterested nobility of feeling and love of mankind one of the most inspiring modern books i know but then please to remember when mill left the india office he might most materially have helped all my sanitary commissions irrigation and civilizing schemes for india he did nothing he was quite incapable of understanding anything but schemes on paper correspondence the literary office aspect in short for india as for that jargon about the inspiration coming from woman i really am incapable of conceiving its meaning if it has any at all i am sure that my part in administration has been the very reverse of inspiration it has been the fruit of dogged work of hard experience and observation such as few men have undergone correcting by close detail work the errors of men which came from what i suppose is called their inspiration what i should call their theory without practical knowledge or patient personal experience to madame molesow street february twenty seventh eighteen seventy five do read pascal's provincial there is nothing like it in the world it is as witty as moliere it is as closely reasoned as aristotle it has a style transparent like plato you said you had not read it i have a great mind to send it you i read it every year as lord morpeth said he did miss austen's novels for the pure pleasure it gives my imagination voltaire said did he not that though pascal was foo he fixed the language nothing that she read in these years pleased her more than mr john morley's fine address on popular culture now included in his miscellanies which first appeared in the fortnightly review for november eighteen seventy six she wrote to him to express her grateful admiration and to ask if she might be allowed to distribute copies of the paper mr morley who had already arranged for a cheap reprint sent her several copies in january eighteen seventy six came the death of monsieur mole to madame mole an irreparable loss she was never the same woman after it to miss nightingale also a heavy loss i am grieved to see wrote mr jowett to her january seventh that you have lost a friend one of the best and truest you ever had his death must bring back many old recollections your father told me of his fetching you away from the convent when you were ill and as he thought saving your life but it was not only that his death revived affectionate recollections mr mole had a great admiration for miss nightingale's intellectual powers he loved to talk and correspond with her on politics literature and philosophy and she regarded his studies in eastern religion as a real contribution to theodice one of her principal preoccupations miss nightingale lost another friend a few weeks later whose death greatly moved her dr e a parks to miss nightingale southampton march nine dictated your letter reached me on what must be i believe my deathbed perhaps before you receive this i shall be summoned to my account for what you say i thank and bless you about two months hence the society for promoting christian knowledge will publish a little book on the personal care of health a copy will be sent to you i had small space only twenty-six pages but i put in as much sanitary information as i could of a very simple kind i hope it may be a little useful to you it is addressed entirely to the poor and now thank you and bless you for all the support you have always given me believe me very gratefully signed e a parks miss nightingale to dr h w Ackland thirty five south street march seventeen eighteen seventy six the death of our dear friend dr parkes fills me with grief and also with anxiety for the future of the army medical school at netley he was a man of most rare modesty of singular gifts his influence at the school there was not a man who did not leave the better for having been under him is irreplaceable but the knowledge and instruction he has diffused from the school as a centre has extended and will extend wherever the english language is spoken and beyond dr parks died like a true christian hero at his post and with the simplicity of one i think i have never known such disinterestedness such self-abnegation such forgetfulness of self his death was like a resurrection when he was dying he dictated letters or gave messages to everybody all about what ought to be done for the school for the spread of hygienic knowledge for other useful and army purposes none about himself on march ninth when it was evident he could not last many days he commended the school to sir william jenner and dictated a letter to me about hygienic interests merely saying of himself that he might be summoned to his last account before i received it on march thirteenth he rallied i was allowed to send down a trained nurse on march fifteenth he died let us as he went to the sacrifice of himself he was only fifty-six with joy and praise as the heroes of old so part with him but let us try to save what he would have saved the professors at the army medical school had written to miss nightingale in alarm at a report in the newspapers that the institution was once more threatened she begged dr ackland who was a friend of the war secretary mr gaythorne hardy to do what he could and meanwhile she took direct action herself she drew up for mr hardy as she had done years before for mr cardwell the case for the defence of the school she added personal entreaties of her own and she sent sir harry verney to present the documents to the minister in person mr hardy listened attentively while i read your papers reported sir harry i emphasised passages underlined by you indeed showing him your marks and initials he said that he had not decided the matter and i replied and miss nightingale wants to get hold of you before you do i shall congratulate you most earnestly my dearest florence if your representation save the school for i know that such success cheers you more than anything else three weeks later the minister returned the papers to sir harry announced that the school would not be touched and said he might tell miss nightingale that he would make the appointments she had suggested some unfinished letters from m Mole, found in his blotter after his death were sent to miss nightingale by madame Mole, who leaned much on her Flochin's sympathy in her loss to madame moll august sixth eighteen seventy six dearest very dearest friend indeed i do think i was worthy of him if always thinking of him rejoicing in his progress and perfection and formerly grieving with his troubles and cares but now he has none now he is always making glorious progress else this world is a nonsense made me so but why do you distress yourself your loss is great enough immeasurable irreparable for this world with saying such things about not having made the most of him while you had him he would not have said so you found him a melancholy man you made him a happy one you gave zest to his life all that it wanted he always felt this himself he could not bear to be without you oh thank god and say like the lord of ossory about his son i had rather have my dead son than any one else's living one who has been so blessed as you where will you find so perfect a man and you felt it i know you did and he felt your feeling it for m mole's glorious life on earth i thank god but i thank him yet more because this was only a beginning of life infinitely more glorious as milton says death called life which us from life doth sever fare you well may god be with us all your old flo it is twenty years to-day since i came back from the crimea it is fifteen since i lost sidney herbert to the same south street february seventh eighteen seventy eight dearest friend ever dearest indeed i do I think daily and nightly of him and of you the world is darker every year to me and darker without him for it seems as if a great light were gone out of it and the people who survive seem so weary stale flat and unprofitable compared with those i knew once loved once no we shan't give a doit to help the turks what crush all those struggling young peoples Slav and greek back under the hideous massacres and oppression and corruption of the turk we could not if we would i don't feel very hopeful for the worst eurasian government we are allowing the worst european government to substitute itself turkey was falling to pieces anyhow by its own bad weight and we should not have let russia act alone in the coming freedom may god give liberty to the christian provinces to work out their own salvation miss nightingale's interest in the eastern question moved by the turkish atrocities in bulgaria had been heightened by her close friendship with miss paulina irby of the women friends whom miss nightingale saw frequently with whom she corresponded regularly miss irby was one of the few who could in any intellectual and spiritual sense be called her equal miss irby was a woman of the highest civilization an excellent scholar a woman of most generous kindliness and simplicity of mind who truly thought no evil there was a sort of innocence in her that seemed to disperse difficulties of itself and miss nightingale's papers contain references to occasions on which miss irby's friendly offices resolved many worries she was a friend of mr and mrs nightingale and florence had first met her at embley in eighteen sixty nine she was one of the many women who revered the name of florence nightingale and she had spent some months at kaiserswerth she was enraptured by making the personal acquaintance of her heroine and was used to say henceforth that any good she was able to do was owing to miss nightingale's example and sympathy the good that miss irby did was great in promoting education among the Slavonic christians of bosnia and herzegovina and in relieving the distress among orphans and refugees during the years eighteen seventy four to seventy nine miss irby was often in england to collect funds and for other purposes connected with her work in the east miss nightingale helped her much therein and thus became very familiar with some aspects of the eastern question this interest combined with her detestation of the forward policy on the indian frontier formed a link of sympathy with mr gladstone seven was miss nightingale's life happy or unhappy her sister used to say to her thinking of her many political acquaintances you lead such an interesting life mr jowett told her that her life was a blessed one and that she ought so to think it he always sent her a new year's letter and on the last day of eighteen seventy nine he wrote to her thus benjamin jowett to miss nightingale i cannot let the new year begin without sending my best and kindest wishes for you and for your work i can only desire that you should go on as you are doing in your own way lessening human suffering and speaking for those who cannot make their voices heard with less of suffering to yourself if this as i fear be not a necessary condition of the life you have chosen there was a great deal of romantic feeling about you twenty-three years ago when you came home from the crimea i really believe that you might have been a duchess if you had played your cards better and now you work on in silence and nobody knows how many lives are saved by your nurses in hospitals you have introduced a new era in nursing how many thousand soldiers who would have fallen victims to bad air bad water bad drainage and ventilation are now alive owing to your forethought and diligence how many natives of india they might be counted probably by hundreds of thousands in this generation and in generations to come have been preserved from famine and depression and the load of debt by the energy of a sick lady who can scarcely rise from her bed the world does not know all this or think about it but i know it and often think about it and i want you to so that in the later years of your course you may see with a side of sorrow what a blessed life yours is and has been is there anything which you could do or would wish to do other than you are doing though you are overtaxed and have a feeling of oppression at the load which rests upon you i think that the romance too which is with the past did a great deal of good like dr pusey you are a myth in your own lifetime do you know that there are thousands of girls about the ages of eighteen to twenty-three named after you as you once said to me the world has not been unkind everybody has heard of you and has a sweet association with your name it is about seventeen years since we first became friends how can i thank you properly for all your kindness and sympathy never failing when you had so many other things to occupy your mind i have not been able to do so much as you expected of me and probably never shall be though i do not give up ambition but i have been too much distracted by many things and not strong enough for the place i shall go on as quietly and industriously as i can if i ever do much more it will be chiefly owing to you your friendship has strengthened and helped me and never been a source of the least pain or regret farewell may the later years of your life be clearer and happier and more useful than the earlier if you will believe it this may be so in mr jowett's example his friend found strength and help even as he did in hers he offers himself up to oxford she used to say of him with admiration and she offered up all her powers to the causes she had espoused there were still to be many years during which she was able to work unceasingly for them her life was to be not less useful than before and perhaps as increasing years brought greater calm her life was also clearer but happiness as the world accounts it she neither attained nor desired she had a friend who was losing his devotion to high ideals as she thought in domestic contentment oh happiness she said of him like the bread-tree fruit what a corrupter and paralyser of human nature thou art end of home in south street and the country continued five six seven